Good morning. If you have your Bible, please uh, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Grab your Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. The first gospel, although it's arranged in second book, but it's actually written first. Mark chapter 1, and I would like to read from verses 40 to 45. Mark 1, 40 to 45. Before I do that, did you know that the largest organ of our bodies is the skin? And then followed by liver. If you're an average adult, uh, your skin covers about two square kilometers of your, oh sorry, how can it be kilometers? Two, two square meters of your body. And it will weigh about three and a half kilograms and contain more than 17 kilometers of blood vessels. And so if you think you look bad in the mirror with no clothes on, uh, imagine how bad you look without your skin. And your skin holds your body together and protects you from various dangerous and uh, dangerous bacteria and viruses. And in hot weather, your skin will release as much as three gallons of sweat a day. And your skin sheds about 50,000 cells every minute. And so globally, dead skin accounts for about a billion tons of dust in the atmosphere. And our skin is a very special creation by God. And one of the primary functions of your skin is to help you feel the world around you. There are at least five different types of receptors in the skin that help us to respond to pain and to touch. And in blind people, somehow the brain becomes rewired so they can respond to stimulus received through touch and hearing. And, the, and thus the blind literally see the world through touch and sound. And so the ability to touch and feel the world around us is critical to us, and the ability to be touched can make all the difference in our lives. And that truth makes the story we are about to read this morning, Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45, all the more powerful because it was a man uh, who cannot feel uh, and, and feel the touch. So verse 40, uh, verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him, with Jesus, and he begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be cleaned. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out, he began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed 
outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Let me just set this uh, passage in a little bit of context as we be- commence Mark chapter 1. Jesus has been tremendously busy. If you look at uh, uh, the early part of it, he drives out an evil spirit from verse 21 to 28. He healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law from fever. And then verse 32 to 34, Jesus, it says here, Jesus healed many people with different diseases and demon-possessed. And in verse 35 to 39, despite of his tremendously busy schedule, Jesus, in verse 35, said, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. While it was still dark, I, I love the phrase, while it was still dark, means very early, despite of his long, busy schedule, he woke up very early in the morning, he went to a solitary place where he could pray, where he could spend time with God the Father. And after only that time, the disciples were looking for him, and then they found him, and then Jesus replied, after, he, after the disciple kind of exclaimed and said, everyone is looking for you, why are you hiding here by yourself? Probably people queuing up to see Jesus, waiting for Jesus to heal uh, them and all that. And Jesus simply said this. I like this so much because after he spent time with God the Father, his vision, his mission became crystallized of what he was meant to do. Because we can all get, get messed up, get clouded up with a lot of other priorities, but it's through time spent with the Lord, you, you get your vision and your mission uh, right and said, this is what I'm meant to do. I'll stick to it. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And this is what uh, Jesus said after the disciples said, everyone is looking for you. He said, let us go somewhere else. Strange, isn't it, where people are queuing up to be healed. Jesus said, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So Jesus has no doubt that his priority is always preaching the gospel, teaching the kingdom of God is here already. And so here, after he said, let us move on, yet the, the, the real situation is there were so many needs around. And this man with leprosy came to Jesus and Jesus healed him. Throughout the Bible, it is clear that Jesus' miracles serve more than one purpose. Uh, they were definitely indication of His power to be able to heal, to be able to restore what the real uh, order was. And uh, they also pointed one more thing to the fact that He was God. They also fulfilled prophecies about the coming Messiah. But they also serve as signs or illustrations beyond the physical towards something more. And throughout John's Gospel, if you read through, miracles, signs, and order is always known as sign. Sign meaning it pointed us to something else. Something else. Uh, for example, remember the story of Jesus healed the, uh, multiply, uh, feed the 5,000 people, and, uh, and after He fed the 5,000 people in John chapter 6, a little while later, it, was, it, was, it says that I'm the bread of life. Um, 
it is pointing something, the miracle itself pointing something to his identity. So feeding of the 10,000 is pointing people that Jesus is actually the bread of life, feeding them to satisfy them completely of their real hunger. And then on another occasion, Jesus stood in front of a tomb that contained the body of his friend Lazarus. He had been dead for days and Jesus brought him back to life and caught him out of the grave. And then, later on, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. So his miracle is always pointing something to his identity. And so here, in this passage, I want to break this up into two. I want to talk something about a leper. And then, secondly, I want to talk about Jesus. I want to give you something about both of them. Uh, leper, uh, two, two points I want to give to you. And Jesus, I have five points. So let me begin with leper. This story, let me tell you something about this leper. The first thing I want to tell you about this leper is his disease. Here the Bible says that a man with leprosy, leprosy. So physically, uh, this disease, it was harmful, it caused injuries, it will literally destroy the body. And on the basis of what we know about leprosy, let me just describe about what actually will happen to anyone who has leprosy? It started with uh, him beginning to feel a little tired. For no reason, he would have a feeling of fatigue. And then his joints would begin to get sore. And one day, he would, no he would notice little white spots all over his skin. And later, those white spots would begin to harden into knots or bumps they would turn from white to pink to brown and then become scaly. Soon, these bumps would spread all over his body and the appearance of his face would change until it, he began to resemble a deformed lion. I'm sure you have seen uh, leprosy, his face, you know, the nose drop off. It looks like a lion. Then these bumps would open up all over his body, producing a foul odor. And these bumps would also cover his vocal cords so that when he breathed, there would be a wheezing sound. When he talked, his voice would be, would be raspy. The leper's breath would begin to stink. He would lose most of his hair. His eyebrows would fall out. What hair he had would turn white. The bones and interior organs would begin to deteriorate, which would make him vulnerable to other diseases. And inch by inch, this man's body would begin to rot. As he walked, he would leave disgusting spots where the past oozed out of his feet. His fingers and toes will begin to rot and fall off. When someone is full of leprosy, you might see them with no nose, a large hole in their cheek where their skin had rotted away or no leg or arm because it rotted off. Leprosy attacks the nervous system in such a way that a person loses all sensation of pain. So a man in the advanced stages of leprosy, which 
the man here is, which Luke tells us that, a man in advanced stages of leprosy might accidentally put his hand on the fire and feel no pain while burning himself severely. He would step on a thorn in the path and feel nothing as the thorn ran through his foot. So a leper was literally the walking dead. And if not cured, the leper would live for about nine years before he simply rotted to death. He was considered a walking corpse. And the sufferer usually died a horrible death. And as the leprosy spreads, many lepers go blind, not because of the disease itself, but because without feeling in their eyes, they forget to blink. So as leprosy advances, the leper hardly looks human. No fingers, no toes, no face, no nose, isolated from others. No one wants to draw near. No one wants to touch them. And in a sense, they can't touch for they cannot feel another person. If you want to have a real good account of uh, uh, leprosy, uh, the book to read by Philip Yancey and Dr. Paul Brand on the book Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. Uh, because he lives many years in India, Dr. Paul Brand. And this is what uh, he said in that book. He said, The loneliest people of all are the ones for whom leprosy has also destroyed their sight. Like many others in the world, they are blind. But unlike most of the blind, they can't use their hands to bring them the sensations that their eyes are denied because they can't feel either. They are really alone. Uh, 2005, I brought 14 people from my old church to, to India and we visited one a leprosy colony and they uh, flooded with, with them. So I had first-hand encounter of seeing uh, these people and have a chance to, to pray for them as well, which is absolutely uh, a mind-opening uh, experience. So not just only the disease physically is, is damaging to the person and all that. What is worse is socially, not just only physical. Most of our problems is not just only physical, but a lot of emotional, social problems. Uh, Mother Teresa spent all her life in India, and she said that the biggest disease today is not leprosy or tuberculosis, but rather the feeling of being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more dying for a little love. The poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It is not only a poverty of loneliness, but also spirituality. So again, the, the biggest disease today is not leprosy, as Mother Teresa said, but rather the feeling of being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. And such is the case of this man. Uh, disease is not just only what's crippling him, but socially as well. Because the worst aspect of leprosy was the social isolation it brought. And you can read about that in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, that the whole two chapters had a treatment of how to handle people with skin disease. By the time of Jesus, of course, the rabbis had added many more restrictions to the law governing lepers. And if a leper even stuck his head inside a home, it was considered unclean. It was against the law to even greet a leper. 
And that is why when a leper walks, he has to always shout, unclean, unclean, so as to notify people that I have leprosy. And they have to, they have to stand about 50 feet away from anyone. And if the wind is strong that day, 200 feet away. He could not touch his family. He could only see them from a distance. And many families brought food and clothing for a little while. But after a, a period of time, most families had a funeral service and regarded the afflicted person as a dead man. So the leper had to tear his garment, as I said already, that they had to tell people, I'm here, unclean, unclean. The leper's cries would warn people that a leper was nearby and people would pick up stones to throw at the leper so he wouldn't come near. So physically, he's doomed. Socially, he's even worse. So that is the disease of this leper. And secondly, I want to tell you something about this leper. It's not just his disease, but his desire. Look at verse 40. A man with leprosy, he said, came to him and begged Jesus on his knees. He said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Very interestingly, it says here, uh, you can make me clean. The leper did not say, heal my disease. He says, make me clean. Some people point to the fact that it's deeper than just asking for healing because healing is not, maybe it's not the main things that he felt the most in his heart. It's isolation, not being able to come before God and, and, and because he was unclean in the sense. Everything was taken away from him because of this illness. He said, make me clean. And this leper falls on his knees before Jesus and he begs him, he pleads him, with, saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And you know, this sentence, you know, if you are willing, you can make me clean, his desire, his appeal to Jesus, tell us something about him. Let me give you a few things about his desire that he said here. First and foremost, I think he knows that he's unworthy. He knows that he's unworthy. He has had this truth drummed into him day after day, after hour after hour for many years. Even looking at himself at the reflection of a pool of water, he sees how despicable he looks. So he knows he's unworthy. And secondly, I think he knows he can't heal himself or make himself clean. He probably has never even heard of Leper becoming cured. There are only twice in the gospel account that a leper has been healed is this one and the ten lepers in Luke chapter 17. He knows he's unworthy. And thirdly, I think he, he knows he can't heal himself or make himself clean. And that is why he came to Jesus. Thirdly, he knows that Jesus can. That is why he said, if you are willing you can make me clean. How did he come to this knowledge? We don't know. Probably he heard Jesus has been performing many miracles and word has been spreading around. And so he believes with all his heart that Jesus is the one person in all the world who can cleanse him. So he knows he's unworthy. He knows he can't heal himself. He knows that Jesus can. And lastly, he knows that Jesus has a right to refuse. And that is why he said, if you are willing. I leave it to you, Lord, if you are willing. He makes no demands. He has no basis for a request other than Jesus' mercy. 
if you are willing. And to me, his word indicate a desire to be free from his desire. His words de declare his faith in Christ's ability to heal him. His words reveal his own sense of unworthiness before the Lord. Does it not tell you something about our approach to God to be saved from our bondages of sin? That we are unworthy. We know we can't save ourselves. We know that Jesus can't. And we know that Jesus has the right to refuse. But out of His grace and His mercy, He redeemed us. So that is something about the leper. I want to tell you about his disease, leprosy, physically, socially, and his desire to be cleansed. And he knew that he can't do anything about it. Only Jesus can do it. And Jesus has the prerogative to refuse if you are willing, Master. So let me move on to tell you something, five things about Jesus from the remaining uh, passages. Beautiful uh, response from Jesus. The first thing I want to tell you about Jesus in this remaining passage, first one is Jesus cares. It says here in verse 41, filled with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Filled with compassion. You know, to match the most difficult human needs, Jesus responds with the deepest of human feelings. You know, just like us, Jesus, as He is a fully God and fully man, He knows the full range of human emotion. As you read through the Gospel, it shows all of Jesus' emotions. He knows cheers, He rejoices in the wedding in Ghana. He is the righteous anger when the people prevent uh, uh, people from coming to the temple to worship God. He, he expressed disappointment when he uh, entered into Jerusalem for the last time riding on the donkey. Say, oh, Jerusalem, how I long for you to come under me. But you chose to walk away. He, he, he knows this pleasure in all the human emotions. He's fully man and he's able to fill it with us. And among all of these feelings, compassion stands out as the deepest of all human emotions and the truest expressions of the heart of Jesus. The Greek root word of compassion means intestines or bowels, thought to be the inward parts from which the strongest human emotions arose. And I think we still use that in our normal English language, a gut-level feeling, you know. I just have the gut to do it. I, I don't have all the facts, but my gut tells me to proceed, to make that decision. Uh, uh, so, so there's this, this strong human emotion that, that arose from that, the Greek word of compassion means intestines or bowels. And so when the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion, or that He groaned in His spirit, we are being told that his gut was wrenched and his heart torn open. Uh, Henry Nouwen, the uh, 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 Catholic priest who is very uh, into spirituality, that I read many of his books, he tells us that the word is related to the Hebrew word, uh, Hebrew word for compassion, 
which refers to the womb of Yahweh. The womb of Yahweh. Compassion is such a deep, central, and powerful emotion in Jesus that it can only be described as a movement of the womb of God. There, the divine tenderness and gentleness lies hidden. And so when we read about Jesus' move with compassion in other passages as well, particularly in John chapter 11, uh, before raising Lazarus from the dead, when we read about Jesus' move with compassion, it means that He feels Himself so deeply into the sufferings of the person, in, it, in this instance, the, the leper, that it is just as if He Himself is suffering as a leper. And in some other version, in, in John chapter 11, verse 33 and 38, it talks about Jesus groan in Himself. Or Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. He was deeply moved and visibly distressed, He says. Compassion. He did not move with pity, because that is too condescending. It's like when somebody, we walk past somebody asking for money, just give some money, you know. Uh, you move with pity, but that is not Jesus move with pity. That is true condescending. He's not just move with sympathy, and that is true superficial. And he's not even move with empathy because that is true distant. Not just mind for mind or hand for hand or even heart for heart, but stomach for stomach, blood for blood, gut for gut. Jesus feels his way into the leper's needs. So first thing we need to take note of Jesus was He cares, filled with compassion. But it's not, not uh, sufficient, isn't it, to feel uh, just compassion alone. Second thing about Jesus is Jesus identifies. Not just only He cares, but He identifies. How? Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out His hand and touched the man. Jesus touches him. I mean, for us now, as we read back, unless we really put ourselves in that context of what this leper means in the first century, uh, it's just astounding. It's just astounding. Uh, of course, our culture is different. We like to embrace people, even the sick. We, we, you know, but that is not the, 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 the time of, during that time. When was the last time that someone really touched this man? We do not know exactly how many years has he suffered from leprosy. As we said, it probably lasts for nine years. It could be eight years. It could be second years. It could be five years. But I can assure you, whatever number of years he has been suffering from this leprosy, uh, he hasn't had anybody touching him at all. And even if you touch him, he probably couldn't feel it. But when was the last time someone actually touched him? When was the last time anybody put his hand on his gross distortion of a human body? And to touch a leper made one unclean and was strictly forbidden by the law. Touching a leper could possibly cause the one touching to become infected as well. But what did Jesus do? He touched him. I don't know actually what that leper expected when he came to Jesus. Probably to be, to be asked to, be, to be go away you know, or stoned to death at worst. Imagine his surprise when Jesus reached out and touched him. 
I think that must have blown his mind away. <laughs> no human beings, no family members touch me, let alone a rabbi. I can imagine the crowd must have gasped in surprise and shock as they see Jesus reaching out to touch this unclean man. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we need to use our left brain and the right brain, not just only analyzing the fact. We've got to, we've got to imagine the environment. And the best person that I know uh, when I first became Christian, reading Max Lucado. Uh, he's a master in, in bringing you into that scene. You, know, you almost could smell uh, and, and feel what's going on. Uh, and, and sometimes when we read the Scripture, particularly in the Gospel account, we need to use both brains and not just analyzing the facts, but feel, imagine what it would be like. I, I could imagine the crowd must have, ah! Why is Jesus touching him? Oh, how glorious that one touch must have felt to this man. Not that he could feel it. Uh, if there was any feeling left in his skin, it must have felt like nothing he had ever felt before. When Jesus touched this man, filled with compassion, he must be so beautiful. Look at what... Uh, uh, Paul Brand again say in the book, he said, more than any other person in the world, the person with leprosy needs to be treated by somebody who will reach out his hand and touch him. Oh, he said, I have seen men break down into tears at that time because they have found someone who could touch them. Oh, I have seen men break down into tears at that time because they have found someone who would touch them. And Jesus reached out His hand and touched him and feel identify with that man. I'm willing. He was identifying with the leper. He was entering into the leper's world. Everyone who sorry thought Jesus was contaminating himself, but in reality, Jesus was symbolically passing His power to the leper. Jesus was willing to touch the leper, enter into his world, but give the leper what he could never find on his own. Is it not true that sometimes we only want to share and talk with people who kind of like been through the similar situation as we are, have been, so that the person roughly can understand your feeling and it's in a way, people who suffer from cancer, they have a cancer support group because all we can understand each other emotionally in a sense. Uh, rather than talk to people who with, with uh, great health and, or people who have uh, suffered from depression and we try to talk to people who don't and, and the kind of answer people give is unbelievable. Come on, just go sh window shopping, you know, go holiday, you brighten yourself up. It, it is more than that. It's not just that easy to cope with. In a sense. And here Jesus identifies. And there's the gospel as well, isn't it? Jesus came to us, lived in this world for 33 years. And that is why Hebrews say that, isn't it? That you can sympathize with our weaknesses because he has dwelt on earth for 33 years. C.S. Lewis has a fantastic quote who thinks that uh, uh, Jesus, people who say, you know, you can't identify because you've never been through it. Uh, look at what C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity. 
He said, Jesus Christ is a complete, the only complete realist. This is what he said. He said, no man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. A silly idea is current and that good people do not know what temptation means. This is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. After all, you find out the strength of the German army by fighting it, not by giving in. You find out the strength of the wind by trying to walk against it, not by lying down. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. That is why bad people in one sense know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. We never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it. In Christ, because He was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is the only man who knows to the full what temptation means. The only complete realist. So Jesus identifies, and that's why Hebrews chapter 4 becomes clear that he, he can sympathize with all our witnesses because He is a complete, fully real human being and show us what a human being is supposed to be by coming uh, to, to dwell on earth. And so when we say that uh, it's only human, we all do that, theologically to me it's incorrect. It's we are not human enough. A true human being, a complete, real, full human being will be Jesus' model. And we fall short of what it means to be a complete human being. Thirdly, uh, not just only Jesus, uh, He cares, He identifies, but now He moves on to the step further, He actually heals. So He filled with compassion, which He cares. He reached out His hand, He touched the man, which He identifies. He said, I am willing. Be cleaned. And immediately the leprosy left Him and He was cleansed. The man was healed. The ceremonial sense and com- in the ceremonial sense and in a, in a completely restored, he was completely restored to full health in the medical understanding of the word. There was no period of recovery. There's no partial healing in the Bible. There's no record in the gospel about partial healing. It is always complete, full healing that takes place. So there was no period of recovery or rehabilitation. He who had come disfigured, defiled, despicable, was instantly transformed into a man in full health, completely cured and ready to be restored to society. I believe the healing was perfectly complete and on a divine level. That means to say he was not only cured of the leprosy, but all his disfigurement was corrected along with it. And I think his response indicates that he was very aware that he was healed. He not only felt the difference, but he could see the difference in his skin, limbs and body. He's restored. The leper was given a brand new life in that very moment. And this is what Jesus does when He touches a life. That's why justification is an instantaneously event. Whereas sanctification may be a process, but justification is instant. So Jesus stretched out His hand and healed. 
filled with compassion, he reached out his hand, I am willing. Fourthly, Jesus sends. Jesus cares, Jesus identifies, Jesus heals and cleanses us, and now he sends. Verse 43, after he has healed him, he said, he sent him away at once, but with a strong warning. Jesus gave this man a mission. Jesus has changed his life, and now Jesus wants to work through his life. But be careful here, because Jesus gave this man specific instructions. He gave this man two instructions. Firstly, he said, don't tell anybody about it. He said, don't tell this to anyone. They must be wondering why. I mean, nowadays if there's a healing crusade, someone is healed, we want to parade the person so as to testify of God's healing power and, and all that. But in this instant, Jesus said, no. Jesus said, don't tell anyone. Because again, remember before that, uh, I, I read to you in verse 35 onwards, after he spent time with God the Father, his mission was crystallized again that his priority is to preach the gospel. And can you imagine, Jesus was trying to avoid a circus-like atmosphere around his ministry. He wanted the people to follow the message and not just the miracles. He knew that when they saw a leper healed before their eyes, they would go wild and see him as a miracle worker and not a preacher of the gospel of grace. So Jesus was very specific. He said, no, no, don't, don't upset my plan. Don't tell anyone, all right? I mean, I can sympathize with him, you know, in the sense. How do you not tell anyone? Uh, so firstly, Jesus said, don't tell anyone about this. Secondly, he gave specific instruction and said, go, show yourself to the priest. Offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing. And that's the purpose of that, isn't it? as a testimony to them, because Jesus' target group at that time said to the priests first, to the priests, they need to see this. Before you go and tell anyone I have, what I've done for you, you go to the priest and let him examine you according to Leviticus chapter 14, because there's specific instruction the priests need to do to pronounce this man clean and give him a certificate and and, and to let him blend in back into the society. Uh, the procedure, you can read that in uh, Leviticus chapter 14. They have to bring two birds and a clay pot and a high syrup and, and saddle wood to the priest. And then the priest would uh, uh, kill one of the birds with the blood and, and with the high syrup dip in and sprinkle seven times on, on, on the leper and uh, with the blood put on the live bird and set the live bird free. And then the person with leper was then required to wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, including his eyebrows, and bathe himself in water. And after remaining outside of his tent for seven days, he would bring appropriate offerings to the priest on the eighth day. And then upon offering the needed sacrifices, he would be anointed with oil by the priest, signifying he was clean. And that was what Jesus wanted him to do. Go to the priest as a testimony. And then, 
that's the main thing I, I heal you to, to go there and not to go and tell people and then end up I, I can no longer carry on the job that I have which is the priority is to preach the gospel. I don't want people to just come to me uh, because of the miracles itself. And if you're in ministry long enough, I have seen many people came to Jesus through miracles of healing and all that and ended up when they are healed, they walk away. And so the gospel, the priority of it that Jesus wanted to do. Do you know that uh, uh, science and wonders and miracles itself uh, don't necessarily generate faith? You want me to prove to you, just read the gospel. Just read the gospel. Many people seen Jesus' miracles at the bread that Jesus multiplied. Many miracles, but yet not many of them turned to Jesus. And in fact, Jesus turned away about 10,000 people in John chapter 6 because Jesus knew that they came because they want miracles. And the final point I want to give to you on Jesus, uh, not just only Jesus cares, Jesus identifies, Jesus heals, Jesus sends, and Jesus exchanges. Swap place. Jesus exchanges places with the leper and with us. Look at verse 45. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, because of that, it says here, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Jesus exchanges place with the leper, isn't it? The leper was excited about what Jesus had done for him. It was a miracle. It was life-changing. However, for the leper, Jesus specifically told him, don't tell, don't spread. Go to the priest first. Get and officially declare that you are cleansed so that you could re-enter society. But the leper disobeyed Jesus and went and told everyone he could find. And this didn't help the ministry of Jesus. It hurt it. The leper was enthusiastic for God, but it was misdirected. And Jesus and the leper now exchange places. This is ironic. The leper had to live outside of the towns, but Jesus could move around freely within them in the past. But after Jesus healed this man, the man now could freely live inside the town, but Jesus had to remain outside the towns. They swap place. It's like they have changed places. Mark says Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely. And as this passage, we see as a hint of what's to come for Jesus. Jesus exchanges places for the lepers of the world. Jesus exchanges places for the sinners of this world. Instead of us going to the cross, Jesus goes to the cross. Instead of us dying for our sins, Jesus died for our sins. Jesus cares about you. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. 
And part of the plan includes Him touching your life, cleansing you of your sins. And we just need to call out to Him like the leper, say, Lord, you can do it. Let Jesus do what only He can do. And when you are forgiven, then do what Jesus tells you to do. You have a purpose, a mission. That is the heart of the gospel, my friend, that we preach, we share time and time again through the book of Exodus, through this series on different people have different encounters with Jesus. And this is a transforming moment for this leper. He's completely new being. We don't know what happened to him subsequently. Uh, we hope that he turned around and became a wonderful missionary. Um, we don't know. But that is the heart of the gospel. And, and this is the gospel that we need to hear again and again and not change and transform this gospel into something else. A leper came to Jesus and Jesus has a choice to make. Will he respond to the leper at the risk of limiting his ministry and prematurely provoking his opponents? Or will he reject the leper at the risk of losing the purpose for which he has come? Jesus chooses the leper, but not without a price. You know, my friend, compassion is costly. Jesus has to give up this part of his ministry for the time being for the sake of a single soul. Compassion always has a price. Love and compassion are necessities, not luxuries. Without them, Humanity cannot survive. Love and compassion are necessities, not luxuries. Without them, humanity cannot survive. Let me just close with this simple story I might have said before, and before I just close this time. There was a story about a teacher who was asking the student to, uh, what they thought were the current seven wonders of the world. Of course, seven wonders of the world, there are many nowadays, modern, ancient, Though there was some disagreement, the following got the most votes, which is Egypt's Great Pyramids, the Taj Mahal, the Grand Canyon, Panama Canal, Empire State Buildings, St. Peter's Basilica, the Great Wall of China. And so while gathering the votes, the teacher noted that one quiet student hadn't turned in her paper yet. And so she asked the student if she was having trouble with her list. And the girl replied, yes, a little. I couldn't quite make up my mind because there were so many. And the teacher said, well, tell us what you have and maybe we can help. The girl hesitated and then he said, I think, he said, I think the seven wonders of the world are to touch, to taste, to see, to hear, to feel, to laugh and to love. The room was full of silence. Isn't that a wonder of the world? Too often we underestimate the power of a touch, a smile, a kind word, a listening ear, an honest compliment, or the smallest act of caring, all of which have the potential to turn a life around in a moment. And that was a transforming moment for the leper because Jesus, filled with compassion, reached out his hand and touched him 
and say, I am willing, be cleaned. And you can experience that as well when you reach out to Jesus. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for this simple and yet beautiful story that has been recorded by Mark, John Mark. Thank you, Lord. It must be incredible for this, this man. I could just vividly imagine what it would be like when, when you feel with compassion, you reach out your hand, you touch him, and he was completely... I, I, can, I just imagine he must be so overjoyed that he even disobeyed what Jesus asked him to do. That he went out and exclaimed to people that he's healed. Lord Jesus, we pray that you reach out your hand and touch us because you care for us, you identify with us, you heal us, you exchange the position with us. Thank you, Lord. That is our salvation story. That is the salvation story. That is the gospel message that we have that we can preach to the world, we can give to the world because that is the real message that truly can transform life from within and not just only treat symptoms from any other form of gospel message that has been so diluted into something else that is not of the gospel. This true gospel that Jesus Christ came to us, save us, redeem us from our deepest sins, that is the message that can truly transform us. That is the message, gospel message that we have for this world to come to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless each one of us and may we now with a purpose that Jesus sent us out with a purpose to declare this beautiful message that we have. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We worship you. May the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, His unconditional love and an amazing power, presence of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.